War Eagle, welcome to the War Dam Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Shanks. Big news on the planes today. Um, we're going to talk a little Derek Mason. We're going to talk a little Mike Bobo. We're going to talk a little Will Friend. Uh, and try to get some more familiarization with these guys. I'll be the first to admit uh, the Mike Bobo news breaks last night. I think Football Scoop is the one who who kind of cracked that. And I'm going to tell you, I, I was kind of underwhelmed, right? It doesn't really move the needle for me. And I think it's just because he's been associated to, to SEC football at Georgia for so long. He was at South Carolina this year. And like I said before in another episode, when kind of talking about Brian Harson and some of the things he does, it's really hard to put any weight into 2020 production offensively, right? You take the spring out, you're missing a lot of reps, you go into fall camp, and a lot of situations fall camp was shortened at South Carolina. He's implementing a new scheme with what, although they beat Auburn, let's be honest, that was one of the most talent-depleted uh, rosters in the entire conference. So it, it's not hard to, to see why he's potentially behind the eight ball taking that gig. You look at Will Muschamp's career as a head coach, he's never really had a prolific offensive coordinator. He's never really had a guy who put up numbers in that position. And I think a lot of that's attributed to Will Muschamp and who he is on the defensive side of the ball, especially at South Carolina, Tavares Robinson and Auburn guy who uh, is rumored to be coming back to be part of Derek Mason's staff was the defensive coordinator. But a lot of people believe that was more of a de facto position um, and that that was Will Muschamp's defense. So starting with the headliner, Derek Mason, former SEC head coach. He's been at Vanderbilt the last handful of years, and, and they've been up and down in success. He served as the defensive coordinator on his own staff, which is kind of interesting to me. Uh, his first year came in. They saw a pretty significant drop-off from James Franklin. He gets hired, brings his staff in, uh, and the season kind of turns on him. At the end of the season, he fires both coordinators, brings in a new OC, and says, hey, you know what? I can do this myself. And his first year as defensive coordinator, now keep in mind, this is at Vanderbilt, which typically struggles to recruit. They struggle to field talented teams. This is his second year there. These aren't guys he's recruited for his scheme. And that first year, he's the defensive coordinator uh, at Vandy. They have the 22nd-ranked national scoring defense, 22nd in the country at Vandy. And again, that's with guys who are already on the roster. And James Franklin did really well at Vanderbilt, but they're still not the talent at Vanderbilt that you would see at an Alabama, an Auburn, a Georgia, wherever. To finish in the top 25 nationally in scoring defense is extremely impressive. They only gave up 350 yards a game. I think another stat I saw in that year is the year prior, they had lost SEC games by a wide margin, like 24 and a half points or something. And that first year he took back over the defense, they lost SEC games by an average of 10 points. And it's widely attributed to the fact that they couldn't generate anything on offense. Talking about Derek Mason's scheme, though, he likes the two-gap system. And what you saw when he was at Stanford is Oregon, and Auburn saw this firsthand. Oregon, when you talk about spread offenses and going fast and putting guys in space, a lot of people look at that or those Oregon teams and think, man, those guys figured it out. 
And at that time, people start coming to Derek Mason to say, hey, you're seeing this every year. How do we stop it? What do we do? It's it's becoming prevalent in high school football. It's becoming prevalent in college football. What do we need to do to stop it? What are you doing that's so effective against this spread kind of wide open attack? And his answer from what it seems is a two-gap system. Now, what that means is your defensive linemen are responsible for two gaps instead of one, which means in most cases you're going to use a nose tackle. How that applies is your defensive linemen have to read and react, and they're basing their reads on what the offensive lineman in front of them is doing. They're having to account for two gaps. Now, what that does for your linebackers is inherently it puts a lot of stress on them. What Derek Mason did is he moved them further back off the line of scrimmage. So it gives them more time to react. And a lot of that is preventing the home run shot on an inside zone or power that you see a lot out of these spread attacks. And it allows your linebackers to read, react, and move to the football. And it gives them a little bit more of a buffer. You look at the linebackers that Auburn currently has on the roster and Owen Papo and Zacoby McLean and some of these guys. That's what those guys do best. There's not a better duo of linebackers in the country as far as moving in space, finding the football, and attacking it, and seeking contact. That's a big deal. You're going to implement a new system, and you have two guys, based on what he likes to do, that are kind of catered. The other thing that I saw that's interesting, because I'll be honest, I don't remember a lot of his time at Stanford and Vanderbilt. It's hard to judge anybody's success or failures at Vanderbilt because – For as long as most of us have been alive, people have just inherently failed there. But one of the things I saw is he uses a star, and Auburn fans are going to get PTSD from that term and think back to Robinson, Therese, and those guys. But he likes it as a linebacker-DB hybrid that I genuinely think he's going to keep close to the line. Well, you have two safeties at Auburn right now who I would say are more effective within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage and Jamie and Sherwood and Smoke Monday, I think Sherwood is the bigger guy. I think when you talk about his NFL draft stock, as we still kind of await a formal decision from him, his future in the NFL is at linebacker. He's going to be able to put on some weight, and he's kind of in that mold of the new age linebacker that you can put out in space, that can move sideline to sideline, can make tackles. And I think that this benefits him potentially as much as anybody because he's going to get an opportunity to showcase what he's capable in those situations. And if anything, we talked on the last episode about guys coming back and having an opportunity to improve their draft stock. I think Jamie and Sherwood's in a position now with Derek Mason as head coach. He has a better opportunity than anybody on this roster to see his draft stock really climb if he can perform in this system. A couple of other things. He likes it. he isn't afraid to go to two down linemen. So what that means is you're going to have two down linemen who are both responsible for two gap, and you're going to have two standing outside backers. Guys like Romello Height, Desmond Tisdall, those guys may really shine in fall camp where, you know, we talked in the first episode about guys, young guys in that front seven, or even in general on that defense that didn't feel like they really had an opportunity to earn a, a spot and earn an opportunity to play. We have long-rangey guys that we've brought in that I think if you stand them up on the edge, at least in passing, 
situations are going to have an opportunity to be really, really good pass rushers. So excited for the Derek Mason hire. He was a guy that garnered a lot of attention from a lot of different schools. Brian Harson being able to close the deal on that is a big deal. And it's a big deal for Auburn because it kind of signifies what we think of the Brian Harson hire is how it's viewed in the coaching community. The next guy we're going to talk about, Mike Bobo. <clears throat> like I said, this hire initially didn't really move the needle for me. But if you look at him and what a lot of guys are going to say right off the bat is he's an excellent recruiter and there's no disputing that. And as an Auburn fan, what we hear a lot is, oh, well, everybody's able to recruit at Alabama. Everybody's able to recruit at Georgia. And some of that's true. But what I'd have you immediately turn and look at is the class of 2022 and Gunnar Stockton, five-star quarterback on 24-7. He's a four-star on rivals. He's the number two quarterback, though, in both services. So he's committed to South Carolina. Mike Bobo held on to Gunnar Stockton through a coaching change. And at South Carolina, a lot of people are still underwhelmed by the Beamer hire, and he still managed to keep this kid committed. A lot of people will attribute that to a family relationship Bobo has with the Stocktons, and that's fine, but it still says a lot that you have parents of a five-star quarterback who are that comfortable with him, considering some of the comments we've seen from these, you know, blue-chip quarterbacks in the past about Gus Malzahn's development as it pertains to quarterbacks. I think that's a good thing. And I think that that's something that we need to pay attention to because it wouldn't surprise me really if you saw him try to get Gunnar Stockton in the class early to really start building on 2022, which a lot of people think is the best complete class in a long time. The next thing – I want to talk about Mike Bobo and Brian Harson. in my opinion, just looking at it, are very similar schematically. So you're going to see a lot of the same things, multiple formations. They're going to be under center. They're going to be in shotgun. Mike Bobo likes to use the screen game, but Mike Bobo has also been really good, and he was re even really good at this at Colorado State, is finding your best players, finding the mismatch, and figuring out a way to get that guy the football in space, or – Put him in positions where you can push the ball downfield to him. So I think you're going to see a lot of the same things that you saw when you went back and you looked at Brian Harson's offense at Boise. It's going to be a run-heavy scheme. You saw what Kevin Harris did this year at U uh, South Carolina, and he's the second-leading rusher in the conference behind Najee Harris. And he really had some big games last year, and they relied on him a lot because they had some issues at quarterback. I don't think you're going to see those issues at quarterback out of Bo Nix next year because I think Brian Harson, when he went out and was looking for a coordinator, I think quarterback development had to have been something that was at the forefront of his mind. And Mike Bobo, you look at Matthew Stafford, Aaron, he averaged 41 points a game his last year at Georgia in 2014 with Hudson Mason at quarterback. And some of you are going to have to go Google that name because it's just not one that comes up very often. But to put up 40 points a game in the SEC with a guy who's six years later, not a ton of fans who even really closely follow the SEC are going to have much knowledge of is pretty impressive. The thing that I like about him the most, though, I think the more that I look at it is his roots. And you look at what he did at Georgia and they, for the time they were in, honestly had a real kind of advanced passing scheme. You saw some early RPO screens out of that offense that weren't near as prevalent as they are now. 
But you're not going to be afraid. Mike Bobo is not going to be afraid if you're at the five-yard line to go under center and line up in the eye form and punch you in the mouth, exert his will, let his offensive line go to work, and try to get six. Uh, and I think when we look at Gus Malzahn and some of the struggles we saw with him and Chad Morris last year is the biggest thing that a lot of people talked about offensively was the fact that you – the red zone play calling just wasn't good. And I think you have two guys now in Harson and Bobo who are going to be willing to line up and punch you in the mouth, try to score, get into the end zone, and kind of exert their dominance on you. And I think that wears down on the defense mentally and physically. The other thing a lot of people like about Harson's offense, you're going to see a lot from Bobo's is motion. He's not afraid to get wide receivers involved in the blocking scheme. He's not willing to load, kind of load up the end of the line and just run it at you. And I think that Auburn's prepared that receivers room has is prepared for that because I think that Auburn out on the perimeter has had really good blocking receivers under Gus Malzahn because we worked the perimeter so much. Those guys had to be able to block to be able to play. And I think guys like Shedrick Jackson and those guys who are really who really excelled at blockers have a chance to make an early impact on Mike Bobo and Brian Harson if they can come in and continue that. It's an efficient passing game. It sustains drives. It's another one of the things I talked about about Brian Harson. When you're efficient on offense, you can sustain drives. You can keep your offense on the field. Your defense can be more aggressive in some of the things that they do. Because a mistake isn't as big of a blow to your defense as it maybe was before. Because if your defense gives up a big play getting aggressive, you can put your offense back out on the field, sustain a drive, kind of milk it, milk down the defense, try to go get seven, and allow your defense to A, regroup, make any corrections that need to be made, any adjustments, and then get back on the field and they're fresh. One of the things we saw with Gus Malzahn in this defense last year is these guys would give up a touchdown. We would go to the sideline. You're looking for corrections. You're looking for adjustments. And then the offense would go three and out. And those guys are right back on the field. You cannot win like that. It doesn't matter how good your defense is. If you cannot keep them off the field and you can't sustain drives on offense, it's only a matter of time until physically and mentally they're worn down to the point that they break especially in a system like Kevin Steele's that for the last two years has been a lot of bend, don't break. If you can't keep those guys on the sideline to catch their breath and make adjustments, when the levy breaks and you have fans saying, oh, the defense quit, the defense didn't quit. They're exhausted. They've been on the field all day. How many times under Gus Malzahn did you look at the time of possession after the game in the box score and go, "What? how did that happen? The South Carolina game is a perfect example of that. So I think we're talking about an offense that's going to be vastly different than what we've seen in the past. But I think especially with Harson making a grand slam hire at defensive coordinator, I think Auburn's in a much better position. I think you're going to see them go attack the transfer portal, try to get a pass rusher, try to get a tackle, and see what we can work with with the guys that we have on campus. Because like I said on the first episode – Gus Malzahn and company recruited really well everywhere except the offensive line, it seems. There's talent on this roster. You just need football coaches to come in and harness that talent, put it in a position to succeed, and let it go to work on Saturdays in the fall.
The other caveat to Mike Bobo is he's going to bring his friend, Will Friend, the offensive line coach. He was at Tennessee. Prior to that, he was the offensive coordinator at Colorado State under Bobo. Prior to that, uh, he was at Georgia. Listen, Will Friend, regardless of your knowledge of X's and O's when it comes to blocking schemes and, and those type of things, Will Friend's an excellent recruiter. He's at Tennessee. He goes to Tennessee. Being at Tennessee, five-star Darnell Wright, five-star Wanya Morris at, at tackle. He's a really good recruiter. He's going to put us in a position to really succeed there because I think Brian Harson's going to prioritize offensive line recruiting. He got Will Friend as kind of a package deal with Mike Bobo, but you can send Will Friend out and say, hey, man, we go get us the best tackles that you can find. And Will Friend is a capable enough recruiter that he can bring them back to Auburn. It's like I was just saying, Gus Malzahn's staff struggled so much to recruit the offensive line. Will Friend immediately remedies that. I also think the other thing about Will Friend that's interesting is he's a really good recruiter overall. Every recruiter on the staff is assigned a geographic area, and if you really go look at some of the guys Will Friend has recruited, they're not all offensive linemen. They're guys from his geographic territory that because he's an excellent recruiter, when he walks in, he's able to close on these guys. And I think you have two coordinators now that if you can put position coaches out there that can go find the talent, you have two position coaches and a head coach that I feel can close. And that's something that I don't know if, you know, like I said, Gus recruited really well in a lot of areas. But Gus also dictated a lot of who we targeted and where. So if Brian Harson will let these guys go and say, hey, this is the blueprint we want to follow. These, is, these are the type of guys we want to get in here to help build this program. But let these recruiters go work. I think we're going to be more successful, especially when you consider the fact that Brian Harson wants such a, a large recruiting staff. And we're already kind of reaping the benefits of that. If you pay attention on Twitter, you're on message boards, however you get your Auburn information, Auburn's been linked to a lot of 2022 guys that are top-ranked 2022 guys in a very deep class without a staff in place. That's a good sign moving forward because it's like I was I was telling some guys the other day, if you can get your name in the conversation now in January – Signing day is a long way away. If you can just tell them, hey, man, believe in me, believe in the staff I'm going to build, believe in the culture I'm going to build, there's a long time left before anybody's putting pen to paper. And if you're in it in January without a staff, imagine where you're going to be at early signing day at the end of this year. Auburn has put itself in a position to really take the next step as a program, which is what I think we all wanted to see when Gus was relieved, we pay $21 million. And, and the, the thing that you hear everybody say is, we can't pay $21 million to be stagnant. And I don't think Brian Harson has any intention of being stagnant. I think when you look at him <clears throat> and you look at who he is as a competitor and as a football coach, there's a rumor out there now that Kellen Moore verbally agreed to take the head coaching job at Boise State to replace Brian Harson there and then backed out because he didn't feel the university was committed as committed as it should be to football, which is a lot of what Brian Harson preached. Those emails leaked and people are down. You know, Brian Harson wanted to take Boise State to the next level. He wanted to try to get to the American or the Pac-12, just somewhere that he could get his program more exposure so that it could take the next step. 
and they go into their coaching search once Harson takes the Auburn job, and there are candidates who are seeing the same things that he's complaining about. Brian Harson is never going to be content with being stagnant. He's never going to be content with the status quo, and I think he's going to elevate this program. And this staff allows him to do that. Derek Mason is a guy, his players at Vanderbilt loved him. Mike Bobo is a guy that high school coaches rave about in Georgia. Will Friend is a phenomenal recruiter. We have to see kind of how the rest of the staff shakes out. We know that we've heard that Spencer Danielson is coming, and and I haven't had a chance to talk about him. But he coached Curtis Weaver, who's in the NFL, and the all-time leading sack guy in the Mountain West Conference, and Jabril Frazier, who's a GA at Boise State, who was another phenomenal pass rusher on the other side of Curtis Weaver, he's shown in a very short sample size that he produces really good pass rushers. And that's something people have talked about. Get in the transfer portal. Find us a pass rusher. Spencer Danielson's going to coach pass rushers at Auburn. There's no doubt about it. And if that short, small sample size of his time at Boise is any indication he's going to succeed there, especially when you're able to get the athletes and the guys that you have available to you at Auburn as opposed to Boise State. The other name I've heard is T-Rob, Tavares Robinson. He was the defensive coordinator at South Carolina. He is a, he will be the best recruiter on campus the day he returns. If, if those rumors are true and T-Rob's coming back, he's the best recruiter on campus the day he steps on campus. All those Auburn DBs you like to retweet about Auburn next level and those guys in the NFL, those are T-Rob's guys. He recruited all those guys. So make no mistake that when you send T-Rob down into Florida to try to find you some DBs, he's going to come back with guys who, if they're developed, they're going in the league. He's got an outstanding track record. And I think when you take a guy like Derek Mason, who's the ultimate closer, I think, there's an opportunity, like, like I continue to kind of say, we can elevate this program. Um, we just have to make sure, or really we just have to be patient with the rest of the staff. I think that now the coordinators have been announced. There's been a lot of smoke about kind of the position coaches. The two names that I, I've heard the most about being retained are Larry Porter and Travis Williams. Um a tweet came out uh, just after the Derek Mason hire that Brian Harson's defensive coordinator at Boise was coming to Auburn to coach linebackers. What I interpreted that as is he'll split those duties with Travis Williams. All indications that we've heard thus far are when Brian Harson got into Auburn, him and Travis Williams really hit it off. He has to see the quality of recruiter that Travis Williams is, and I don't think he has any intentions of letting him walk. I could be wrong. Derek Mason will probably coach safeties and help out on the back end. It's yet to be seen who the defensive line coach is going to be. There are a lot of names that are kind of floating out there. Um, Brian McClendon is a name to watch on the offensive side of the ball. He likes Mike Bobo. They've been friends. They worked together before. I think he's at Oregon now, an elite recruiter. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if you saw – Mike Bobo and Brian Harson bring him in as a running back coach. We're talking about a guy who was the running back coach at Georgia that's responsible for Nick Chubb and Keith Marshall and Isaiah Crowell. All those guys were five-star backs when they came out. He's an elite recruiter. 
And I think that Brian Harson realized and a lot of the things that we questioned at the hire was how is he going to adapt to Southeastern football? How is he going to adapt to recruiting in the SEC? He has to go get guys with SEC ties. And so far, we're on pace for three Boise carryovers, which is about the number I think we expected. Brad Bedell is probably going to coach tight ends and help Will Friend with the offensive line. You got Spencer Danielson, who's going to coach Edge, and then his defensive coordinator, whose name's eluding me right now. So that's about what we expected. The rest of these guys, if you look at it from top to bottom, are going to have some semblance of SEC experience. And all of them have proven track records as recruiters. So when you talk about, hey, what's Brian Harsing going to come in? What's he going to do? Is he going to come in? What kind of staff is he going to assemble? Can he build a footprint in the SEC immediately? I don't think there's any question that he's done that. The big thing for him is going to be to continue to build momentum. There's a lot of momentum now. There's a lot of excitement around the fan base. There's a lot of chatter around the SEC and nationally about his coordinator hires. If we can get this staff locked down, I think you'll see them hit the transfer market. The spring semester, my understanding, starts the 11th at Auburn. So you may not see a ton of movement before then unless there's a couple of guys who are already kind of committed and wanted to see how the staff shook out. I think you'll see some transfers come in in the summer. Get ready for fall camp. And I think if if we're taking transfers in the summer, they're going to be immediate impact guys. And it's like I said on the first episode, I think the more that things kind of shake out and, you know, the college football season officially ends Monday with the national championship game, you're probably going to see some more movement among staffs, especially as NFL staffs kind of poach from the college ranks. You'll probably see some guys who go through spring ball with their current teams enter the portal in the summer. And there's going to be an opportunity for Auburn out there to go seek some immediate help at some positions of need. If you're an Auburn fan right now, on January 7th, 2021, you're excited. I think it's evident at this point, Brian Harson understood the expectation and what it would take to succeed in the SEC. And He's assembled a great staff so far. I think, you know, there's some hesitations for me about Mike Bobo, at least there were. But I think when you look at him and Brian Harston stylistically and schematically, they're pre- they're a really good fit. And a lot of people don't understand Mike Bobo was out at Colorado State. He played Brian Harston every year. Brian Harston's got a lot of familiarity with what Mike Bobo wants to do and who he is offensively. So while this wasn't a name that I think a lot of us immediately thought of, especially since he had just agreed or been retained by Shane Beamer at South Carolina, I think it's a good hire. And I think that Bo Nix is really going to reap the benefits of having two guys on staff whose, you know, most glaring attribute may be quarterback development. Uh, We're going to wrap it up here in a second. Um, A lot of you guys, I've seen a lot. We had 50 views on the first episode. I couldn't be more grateful for that. It means the world to me that that 50 people took a shot on me on the first episode and decided to give it a listen. And that's not lost on me, I assure you. If you don't already follow me on Twitter, this is your first time checking out the podcast. You can follow me at, at WDEXShanks, S-H-A-N-K-S. I'll put the, uh, the link in the description on the podcast for this release. Uh, If you have any questions, any concerns, anything you want to talk about, I love social media interaction. I love being able to talk Auburn football. 
I love being able to give my opinion on things and we don't have to agree. But one of the things I set out to do with this podcast was a podcast for the fans by a fan. I don't want you to think that you're going to come here and get a ton of inside information because just like everybody who's listening, I'm reading the tea leaves just like you are. But it's important, I think, as a fan base that we're able to have open discussion, we're open, able to have debates and be able to have productive conversations about our program moving forward. And I learned a lot about Mike Bobo last night talking to some guys that I'll, I know and trust. So hit me up on social media. Tell me your thoughts on the hires, and we'll try to get back this weekend. Hopefully we get some more staff news today as we kind of start to fill out the position coaches and see where those dominoes fall. And we'll have another podcast kind of touching on those. We'll cover who they are as a recruiter, some of the stops they've made in their careers, some of those things. So, again, I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate you guys taking the time. War Eagle, see you guys next time.